Hey guys, Andrew Baxter here, and welcome to the Andrew Baxter Podcast. And this week we are talking with Mitch Olerenshaw, and our subject is asset classes. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you, my friend. Yourself? I'm absolutely exceptional, funnily enough. Well, here we go. How about that? That's a high mark to uh, to try and knock off. So asset allocation, where to put your dough? Big question. Wow. Very, very big question. Many questions we've got for today. I mean, we, we can talk about cash, we can talk about commodities, stocks, property. We're going to get into all of it. But look, before we get into anything, let's talk about some of the main questions before we start mm-hmm. answering these problems. Okay, so the big one for, for people when they're choosing where to put their money, who are you as a person? Uh, are you someone that wants to be hands-on or are you someone that wants to be hands-off? Because whether you're passive or involved will determine the kind of assets that you pick. Um, what's your attitude to risk? That's the one that people always overlook. You know, most retail investors, the first, if not the only thing they look at is what kind of return am I making on my money? Whereas as a pro, the first thing I'm looking at is what's my risk? And then what can I make? Uh, you know, in that order, it's very, very important to get that sequencing together. Um, what capital do you have to work with? Do you have any specialist skills or expertise? How much time do you have? Um, and where do you want this to touch down in the next few years? You know, is it, we, this whole game that we play with money is about a horizon mindset. Where's it going to be in a year, two, five, 10, 20? And I know talking about where you're going to touch down in 20 years' time, it's a big ask for someone in your generation oh, I want it now, that's right? so far away. Yeah, mm. seriously, that's, that's the whole nature of our generation, right? We want things now. Mm. Is that necessarily the right mindset? Uh, not really, no. It's a good no. way of ending in a bit of a train wreck. And I think, you know, if we take something like uh, crypto, and I'll get my critics for saying this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, something like crypto has been a, a very, very good example of that um, now, danger you, of being focused on it. Before we get into crypto, mm. because I know that it, we could talk for hours <laughs> on this, right? Now, you're, you're a seasoned pro stock investor, income investor, right? Mm. Would you go near crypto? No. Or would you avoid it like the plague? Not at all. Um, it's not my thing. Um, you know, and I've looked at it and I've traded pretty much anything mm-hmm. over the last 27 years. And, uh, and uh, no, it doesn't tick boxes for me. And don't get me wrong, there are some elements of crypto, like blockchain technology, which are absolutely incredible. You know, you look at their application in... Um, the traditional business world, you take Kodak, for example, blockchain enables uh, royalties to be paid on the use of photos going right back to the author or owner of that image, uh, which is brilliant use and same thing in pharmaceuticals and so on. So it's, you know, there's some powerful applications, but for the uh, crypto casino, yeah, not really my It's thing. like red or black at the casino, right? Like we're playing roulette. Yeah, even there, there are rules, though, aren't there? <laughs> I'm not so sure, but we'll, we'll probably talk more about that as sure. we go through. Um, you know, and the big one for a lot of people is cash. A lot of people are holding cash. Uh, you yeah, it's a lazy place to park your money. And don't get me wrong, you need some cash. People have got bills to pay. Um, you, you know, you need cash at call at some point. But having it as an asset class in today's world, it's just not a valid asset class for the simple reason. I mean, interest rates at the bank, 0.75% right now. Rubbish. Absolutely. Take out your tax, take out inflation from that. You're going backwards, guaranteed, year in, year out. And I fail to understand how... That can be described as a safe investment. I think it's important to note that you've got to have that balance. So as you mentioned before, you've got to have cash to be able to pay bills, um, but having too much cash is, is worrisome. So how do you balance that out? What's a nice medium? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people listening would say having too much cash is a quality problem, <laughs> but, but getting that money working hard is, is, is the critical thing. Uh, let's say, for example, you're saving up for a deposit for a property. We'll talk about property in a moment. Sure. But, you know, um, Cash at the bank, have what you need to cover your expenses next three months if you can do that. And then the, and you might have a, a term deposit where you're getting a better return. It's still going to be half of nothing. 
Um, it's about getting that money working hard, but in a way and at a risk level that you're comfortable with. That is the key to this. You've got to be able to sleep at night. And if you start chasing return in asset classes you're not familiar with, or perhaps the returns are exceptionally high and you don't understand them, that's where problems really start. So you've got to get some base level of knowledge uh, sure. to help you decide where you're going to go. So you know, number one, cash, yeah, tricky place to be. Similarly, if you're in a retirement space, you know, that cash uh, or interest on it, uh, it can and was important, but at 0.75% or let's say you're in a term deposit getting 2%, it's nothing. Uh, you look at the bond market. Again, yields on bonds, they're really very low right now, maybe three and a half to about 5%. Sure. And again, after tax and inflation, it starts to become quite thin for something that you kept us tied up for a period of time. And in the case of corporate bonds, um, you know, there, there can be some level of risk. Talking of risk, you know, people think cash is safe because it's government backed. Now, yes, it is as an insurance policy up to a, a, a set amount. But what we're talking about when we come to risk is having your money not working and only having downside, which effectively holding cash is, is mm -hmm. an opportunity cost. And sure. that's, that's the ability to buy yourself financial freedom, okay. which is true. Now let's talk about maybe using some of that cash to doing something, for example, like property, because we know that property is an expensive game and it's, it's getting harder and harder to get into, especially for people of my age. So let's talk about using cash to get into property. Sum up property, returns, risk, the nuts and bolts of it. Okay. Look, and I guess I've got to put the hat on. I love property. You know, just because I do stocks doesn't mean to say I don't do property. I've got millions in the property market. It's been very good to me and my family. The reality, though, is that right now, property market's pretty overvalued. But the finance aspect is very hard, especially for people that are younger. Why? Because if it's an investment property, you're going to need a 20% deposit. Now, when we talk about property, it's a big term. What are you talking about? You know, be, oh, I do property. Well, what do you do in property? Because you could be doing residential, commercial, you could be doing industrial, uh, you could be doing house and land, you could be doing, uh, from an investment perspective, you're talking about a house, or you're talking multi-dwelling, apartment, townhouses, um, are you talking rural, are you talking about buying a block of a house that's on a decent block of land so you can split off a portion and develop the other half of it, mm -hmm. um, are you talking about buying to renovate, they're all elements within the plethora of things you can do in property. But right now, any investment property requires a 20% deposit, which you know, takes something that's a $600,000 property. Now, that, that may be very cheap, depending on which city you're watching this in, or it could be very expensive if you're in a regional area. Totally. Um, $120,000 deposit just to get a seat at the table, plus your stamp duty, 5% stamp in wow. South Australia, remember? Um, you know, it's expensive. It's a crazy game. And I, and I think, especially for the younger generation, that, that, that Australian dream of owning your own home is becoming so far away that it just seems unreachable. You know, we're a generation of renters for a very good reason. Mm. Now, if you had to give advice to, say, the younger generation like myself when it comes to property, what would it be? Look, I think you've got to get into the market at some point because it is a real asset. Uh, and as I say, it's been very good to me. The big challenge for a lot of people in your generation, it's a huge generalization, but they want to buy a property where they want to live and you may not be able to afford that. Yeah, totally. and, and you know, if we talk about some of the risks on property, you take the Sydney market, for example, which has been incredibly strong performer over the mm -hmm. last you know, decade. If you're in Parramatta over the last 12 months, it's down 30%. Wow. Mm. That's a scary statistic, isn't it? It is. And, and to mitigate the risk out of that is very, very difficult. I mean, you could have landlord insurance. Uh, you know, if the tenant turns your place into a meth lab, at least it's covered. <laughs> um, but, you know, the reality is it doesn't cover you for a falling market. Uh, and, and that's in the west of Sydney. If we go to the east of Sydney, say Bondi Junction, for example, last year an 11% drop in values. Wow, that's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, and don't forget, and this is the thing that most people miss in that scenario, that's 11% of the value of the property. Wow. Now, if you put a 20% deposit in, that means that half of your deposit has been soaked up by that drop in value because the bank will be re re requesting payment of what you've borrowed 
Now, if the property's worth 10% less, that's going to come out of your end, out of your deposit. Wow. The property's safe, but you've just wiped out half of your deposit if you had to sell. And I think a lot of people have that misconception that it's it's a bubble that just will never burst. And I'm not saying it's going to burst, mm. right? But there's obviously risk associated with every asset class. Mm. Now, property's much the same, right? Too true. Um, you know, you think... If, if you've been to any kind of seminar and you hear the spruikers talking about it, it probably doubles every seven oh, years. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've yet to see that statistic validated. That's the, the joys of dealing in an unregulated industry or property. But um, you know, it, it, with the exception of a few suburbs, it's just simply not a fact. And, and if you go in on that basis of expectation, you're going to be very disappointed, but you're only going to find that out in five, six, seven, eight years' time when the property marketing company that slotted you into your house and land package at the back of the boondock somewhere, they've already shut down, collected their money, and probably living on a nice boat somewhere. You know, it's that, that, that game is what it is. Sure. Um, there are risks with that asset class. And again, people with self-managed super often fall into that because they're searching for yield. Where can you go to get income? And you think that's the place to go. And we do so much rehab work within our financial planning division uh, of people that have bought property in super and have done it in the wrong structure or they don't have the serviceability, the ATO don't like it, they're, they're a real problem. So, you know, it's about getting good advice and, and, and getting a good quality asset, not the, the next up and comer, but something that's a proven performer and that just takes the risk out of it. Totally. Now, I'm going to flip you on your upside down here. Now, let's go to something that maybe might even require a $500 investment and that's what we do being the stock market. Mm. Now, totally different to property, right? Risk involved, rewards involved, of course. Mm. Summing up, what, what what do we do? You know, I know we're going to talk about cash flow and demand a bit later, later on, but just as a generalisation. But again, just as with property, there are a lot of facets to that particular uh, sector. Um, within the stock market, there are too. So if you consider um, a lot of retirees or people that are running around super will hold stocks for dividend, fully frank dividend, very tax effective strategy. But those dividends we've started to see get cut. Um, we've seen it with BHP, for example. We've seen it in the banking sector, and it's going to continue as there's an earnings crash. And, and as such, that that twice a year income, uh, which overall dividend yield might be about four, four and a half, maybe five percent, it's not a great return. Yet you've got your money tied up in something that can be quite volatile, depending on which tweet comes out of the White House. So you know, it, it, <laughs> don't even start me seriously. Mm. So we won't talk about the Don today, but uh, maybe another <laughs> one, maybe a controversial opinion oh, on that. Um, so what we do, which is very different. We're seeking to help our clients generate regular, immediate, upfront income. That's where you get paid upfront, not at the end of the month, upfront in your bank account, guaranteed. And that's very, very important. What kind of returns do we talk about? Typically for our clients, we look for returns in that one and a half to about two and a half percent for about a five or six week cycle. So a month and a half, month, month and a half, something like that. Sure. One and a half, two and a half percent. But before we do that, we want to mitigate and manage risk. So the downside is contained. So now you've got upside potential and good regular upside potential. But your downside is covered, letting you sleep at night. And and just specifically, I know we that's one of our main pillars, right, is, is managing risk out of that risk asset income. Mm. Now, we use something in the form of stop losses, and that's very, very tight. So just maybe explain to, to everyone exactly how we do so. Yeah, look, uh, the risk management side of things is crucial. And, and, and as you know, when we train people, we spend about half a day specifically in this space. Sure. So probably an easier thing for people to get their head around is the fact that we can use, let's call it insurance. It's not insurance. Legally, we can't call it that. Let's call it a put option, which is what it is. But insuring your shares is a strategy that we can use. So just in the same way you can insure your car, you can insure shares as well. So if something calamitous should happen and the backside drops out of the share price, you know, a company all of a sudden is found to cause, you know, in the smoking game, for example, with Altria, you know, vaping all of a sudden, a lot of people dying of it. The share price has dropped off a cliff. Why? Because it's, it's not an investable great stock. <laughs> but you can protect that out. 
um, by using uh, options in the way that we do. And a lot of people you really don't understand about options. The way I'd explain our strategy in really simple terms, if you own shares, I want you to think about if you own an investment property. Imagine owning an investment property but not bothering to put a tenant in there. That means you're missing out on the rent. You've got the asset, which may go up, may go down, but you're not getting the cash flow. And people that hold shares, a blue chip portfolio of shares, exactly the same thing. You get a dividend a couple of times a year, it's worth nothing. But you've got an asset, but you're not getting that rent from the tenant month in, month out. We get that rent month in, month out to the tune of one and a half, about two and a half percent every single month. We want to do that strategy. Very, very powerful in today's world where people are seeking um, the ability to have more income. And just remind me, how long have you actually done this for? Because I know you're an expert in your field and I'm, I'm very lucky to be working alongside you. Was it 27 years, 28 years? Yep. Yeah, I've been around markets now for about 28 years, and this particular strategy we teach, it's been around since 1974. Wow. It's just being able to bring it to people so that they can apply it, which is the key thing that's changed more recently, and that's exactly what we focus on. And I guess over that 27, 28-year career at the coalface in markets day in and day out, I've seen a lot of things come and go. And it's not about the new phase or the latest shiny strategy. It's about finding something that the actual DNA, the infrastructure works. And if you can find that and then you're able to adopt it and apply it to current market conditions on a consistent basis, that's where you start to get some really big wins. I'm just going to stop you there, Andrew. Um, Let's take, once again, let's flip that on top again. Let's talk about something completely different that maybe not isn't such a distinct process is a little bit more speculative. Let's talk about crypto. I don't know we've brushed past it before, yeah. but I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Um, I think, um, I think um, you know, without being disparaging, I've seen people make some good money. I've seen people give a lot of it away. The biggest challenge with cryptocurrency trading is it's an unregulated market. And that's the attraction for a lot of people. They think they're mavericks and this is the new way forward, global, no meddling uh, regulators or exchanges keeping on things, but those scenarios, not necessarily saying the regulators do a great job, but they really don't most of the time, but um, the, the, the fact that you've got some orderly process behind a market makes it something you can be comfortable with. So for example, in the stock market, there's a process behind the scenes called novation, which means if you trade to a recognized exchange, your position's guaranteed. Um, with crypto, the fickle nature of it where a news announcement, even a fake news announcement, can really send things moving. And we've just seen, you know, just in the last two trading sessions, Bitcoin has moved by about 17% down. How does that leave you if you're a mum and dad investor trying to get some dough together to pay for Christmas? And my issue with crypto is twofold. One is the fact that it isn't regulated and it's very vulnerable to fake news and therefore I suspect can be very easily manipulated and you could argue that all markets can be manipulated and they're regulated to stop that but you could argue they can be but it's particularly prevalent in that space. The second issue I have and not so much now but if you go back maybe a couple of years ago where everyone on Facebook was talking about oh you've got to be doing this notice you don't see those posts coming up anymore because those people are probably living under a bridge and they can't get their uh, internet connection working properly now but the, the reality is the marketing uh, that's that's attracted mum and dad investors in in good faith to have a go has been unconscionable and it's really played on people's vulnerabilities and that really is unconscionable. A lot of predators out there sort of marketing that sort of garbage and, and, and that's really sad to see people pay thousands of dollars to, to basically buy a bucket of warm water, which is a tragedy. Totally. And I think the problem is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that we, we're only hearing about people's wins with crypto especially, but are we hearing about their losses? I mean, it's like going to the casino and saying I want $100 on black. 
What about the 200 you gave back on red? That's right. It's uh, it, Again, it comes down to that regulatory transparency. And I, I think we're going to see crypto become more mainstream as an asset, and I'm not close to, to investing in it myself. It just doesn't match what I look for in terms of a risk versus return. Uh, and, and everyone is different in terms of what they're doing. Uh, you know, look at all of the things that we do when we're younger. Uh, we're typically more aggressive, more risk tolerant, and so on. Um, as that market matures, and perhaps there are some regulations put in play. Regulations aren't always a bad thing if they foster an orderly market, for example, like we see in any registered exchange, stock market, options market, current uh, futures market, they're regulated exchanges. So there are things there to create an orderly market in terms of pricing, and there are knockout factors uh, like the sidecar rule in the futures market. If the market drops very, very heavily, uh, trade is suspended for a period of time while everyone can assess why it's dropped as quickly as it has, and then we can get back on the merry-go-round the next day. And those sorts of things are there as a safety valve. Which if you see crypto evolve into that sort of space, I think it'll be a, a, something that's, that's certainly tradable. I'd certainly have a crack at it then, but not in its current form. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. And I think, once again, I know we spoke about it in our last podcast is the rise of social media. You know, mm. There's these countless documentaries on Bitcoin billionaires, these mm. guys that you know invested mm. five bucks you know, 10 years ago and yep. all of a sudden now they're living the dream. It's all over Instagram and it's a trap because it draws so many people in without actually knowing the risks associated. Would you agree? Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and that's why yeah, regulation and, and, and notice to, to have to disclose the good and the bad is, is very, very important. And if you're watching this, because we work in a, a, a regulated market with licensing here in Australia and also in New Zealand, um, there are certain things that you're bound to do. And one is to point out risks to people when you do this sort of thing. And it's very, very important to do that so that people can go in with their eyes open. But if we sort of put a bit of a ribbon around where we've got to today, you know, where to put your money is the million dollar question. And it doesn't matter whether you have a lot or a small amount, it's still very, very important to start those, that muscle memory in the right place for the right reasons, doing the right thing. And cash has a role, don't get me wrong. I but, love cash. Yeah, but it's a lazy investment if that's where you've got a big slab of, yeah, I can't be bothered to work out where to put it. Sure. I'll just keep it there and I'll get around to it some fine day, <laughs> you know, and there are people in that situation. Um, property out of reach for an awful lot of people. So what we do is fill that void. There is no requirement for a 20% deposit. What we do, you can start with $500 if that's what you want to do or less if that's what you want to do and have that regular savings plan to build that money up. And if you're using the strategies we teach, uh, we've got that ability to generate consistent, regular income whilst managing risk. That money can start to build up to buy a property. Take it out, buy your property. Start again, and we have clients that do that all the time. Um, equally, um, you know, if you consider someone that's at the other end of the scale where they're retired and they're looking for yield, that one and a half to about two and a half percent on a five, six week cycle is very, very appealing compared to maybe a yield of three and a half, four percent in the bond market or in terms of fully frank dividends on shares. Certainly better than two percent on, uh, on, a, on a term deposit at the bank. But it is an important decision to, to get things plugged in for, the, for your personal DNA and what your fit is. And above all else, overarching all of that, we talked about the returns and why we love our strategy. We see the returns that people are making. It's a great strategy month in, month out. But the key thing for people to understand is also what the risks are around that. By being able to manage them, it's critical. You can access your money. You can get regular cash flow. You can return to cash if you get nervous. You can make money in a falling market. Oh. Try doing that in property. I mean, there's a myriad of things that we teach that wow. people can do. So that flexibility is there. But the big barrier to entry is either fear of the unknown, not fear, 
but fear of the unknown, which sure. is a big one for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and, and as you start to learn and evolve on your journey and see what else is out there, all of a sudden those sort of shadows that are lurking in your peripheral, I'm a bit nervous about that, I don't understand enough about it. Once you start to learn about it, like for example, being able to insure your shares using put options, you know, for a retiree, you've got a decent-sized portfolio. Markets at an eight-year high. Probably not a bad idea to be putting some level of insurance in place. So if things fall over in the new year, there's an impeachment of the president, whatever it might be, your hard-earned profits are protected. You know, one of the most expensive quotes or most expensive lessons in life, what you don't know can't hurt you. And, gee, that's an expensive quote. So learn, find out all these things mesh together. Wow. And just layer it up. And it's all part of the journey. Yeah. And, look, there's so many questions. And we could go on for hours here. But we are coming to an end. It's been really good to get your expertise. So we thank you very much. My pleasure, Mitch. And we'll be speaking with you guys in the next podcast. And uh, we look forward to hosting you. Send through. What do you want us to cover? We're happy to chat about most things, as you probably gathered. We know a lot. We've been around. We've been doing it for a long time. And our goal, as always, is to be a coach, guide, and mentor and help you make the right investment decision for you. So until next time, look forward to chatting. Thank you, guys.